Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, five ways to master a horseman's third law of interviewing, part two of two. Hi everyone, this is Mike, and welcome back to Manager Tools. Today we conclude our conversation on mastering Horseman's third law of interviewing. If you haven't listened to the first cast, um, may I humbly suggest that you do so before going on. It um, It's never a lot of fun to join a conversation halfway through, so if you do that, I think things will make a lot more sense to you. And if you do go back, you'll need to go back two weeks. Due to the current financial crisis, we broke the series apart by adding something more timely regarding the crisis into the feed. Um, although I suppose that for some of you, a cast on interviewing can't be too far off the mark. So uh, hopefully you'll find this useful as well. All right, here we go. Number three, voice volume. I, I, I assume we're, we're not talking about yelling at the person you're interviewed with. That probably yeah, wouldn't work right. too well. Definitely not, not yelling. Definitely not yelling. Uh, Hire me. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's a good sales line. Not, you know, what, what's that? What's my sales line? <clears throat> if you want to sell, ask, don't tell. When you say hire me, that's not asking. That's telling. I love that. I, I thought um, that was an effective close. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying always close. Uh, always ABC, always be closing. Look, uh, it, 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 definitely not yelling, though it may it may feel a little bit like that the first few times you do it when you raise your voice a little bit. Uh, and again, just getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but the answer will be taping yourself, both audio and video, as a way to figure out how well you're doing with this. What we're saying here is drawn from piles of data about tonal qualities, about voice projection, about the different vocal characteristics, and so on. In a nutshell, raising the volume of your voice slightly noticeably increases the amount of tonal variation you have, which is perceived as an indication of expressed energy. If you are monotone, you get lower grades for natural energy. If you have uh, ups and downs in your tonal quality, then you're perceived as having um, more energy. Uh, and so what we, what we, and what we know is you will have more tonal variation if you raise your volume a little bit, which gets you to the variation, which gets you to perception of energy. I'll, I'll give you a perfect analogy for this. It'll probably stun some people. There are coaches in the world, uh, um, particularly there happen to be a lot of them in football, but of course they're in track and field as well, where, where, um, they're called speed coaches. And they give all kinds of, they, they do practices with people running with parachutes in their back and running in water and running with weights and um, running with bungee cords attached to them and so on. And what speed coaches have discovered is what, what you must do to become faster is cover more ground with each stride and get more strides, uh, have your, your, uh, your legs go fast enough so you can get more strides out of out of a given race, right? And how long did it take them to figure that out? I mean, that's... Well, well, but here's the thing. Here's what you don't... Here's what you don't realize. Do you know how you get your legs to go faster? You're going to... You're not going to believe this when you hear it. Um, the way speed coaches teach people to get their legs to go faster is simply to move your arms faster and your legs will keep up. Hmm. Yeah. It's your, 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 your legs, your, your arms don't follow your legs. Your legs follow your arms. And so what speed coaches do is they, if they want you to get faster, the first thing to do is tell you speed up. Well, they do tell you a lot of things, but one of the things they tell you to do is speed up your arms and then they train your legs to be stronger. So your legs can go, um, 
the the a further distance than they were before while maintaining that same speed um, because your arm uh, while maintaining they, they go the same distance and they're going faster because your arms are going faster um, that's what they teach you so the, the, all we're saying is this look if you want more tonal variation which will lead to more perception of energy all you need to do is raise your voice okay now, so it ra- raise the it, raise the tempo of your voice um, well, or, we have to be a little careful. We have to be a little bit careful here because men, men naturally tend to be more monotone than women, generally speaking. And women tend to not only have a higher pitch voice, obviously, but they also, women do better in terms of variation in the speed of their delivery. Men deliver more steadily and at a monotone level while women vary that speed a little bit more. So we're going to be a little bit fancy here um, and say, even though we're recommending a small change, gentlemen, use a small increase in volume to help you change speeds and and the highs and lows. In other words, how deep you go and how high you go, whether or not you all of a sudden say, yeah, or yes, Um that will increase the amount of difference between pitch and and volume will increase if you if you increase the average volume that you speak with a little bit um uh, just a small increase will help you change speeds and and tonal quality and women lower your voice not, not in volume but actually in pitch just a little bit and you will be perceived as having raised your volume and and then tonal quality and then therefore uh, your perception of energy. Uh, in in both these cases, your interviewer will perceive either one, man or woman, as as more energetic. A, a female manager who lowers her voice slightly but leaves her rate of delivery and tonal variation alone can make quite a difference in the perception of her energy level. And I mean, this is clearly the hardest of all the recommendations we're making today, right? I mean, this is yeah, but tough but for okay. Somebody. If you think it's hard, then it's going to be hard, but only because folk t- folks take their speech for granted. Um, um, it's like personality, right? Oh, that's just how I talk. Well, you can change your speech. Um, there's actually a way I teach some executives where you push on your diaphragm and, and um, while you talk and you feel a certain tension there, and then you adjust that, um, and it works great. Um, here's a key helper thought for when you do this. Think about making a speech. We're not suggesting go whole, you go whole hog in that direction, um, but but it's unlikely you will anyway because you know you're not giving a speech. You're sitting down. You don't have notes. There isn't a podium and so on. But thinking about giving a speech will cause you to raise your voice perceptibly, perceptibly, sorry, <laughs> and change the way you deliver your words. You will all almost effortlessly be able to deliver more drama because that's what speeches are designed to do, to dramatize words. Once you become aware of it, it's easy, in my experience, when I work with executives, to change it when you need to. In fact, I do it all the time, and it's one of the reasons people think I'm a good communicator, and, it, and it, it's simply a behavioral change. That's all it is. Good. Okay, so now that folks think that they're being energetic, yeah. what, what about practice? Yeah. Again, video. Um, just try it. You will notice a difference in the impact of your words Remember now, one of the things we say in the interviewing series is you interview yourself or you have a friend interview you and you don't listen to the tape until watch the tape until the next day. You don't want to watch right after you're going to be too involved in still having delivered your answers and still believing what you did was right. You want a little bit of of distance between you, between your behavior and your evaluation of your behavior. Um, but you'll notice a difference. It'll take a couple of weeks for you to really notice a difference, but you'll totally know notice. Um, and if you don't see a change, ask your friend who's helping you 
and he or she will notice and that'll be good that'll be good enough since they're the one who are acting as the interviewer and that's the, what this is all about right is changing the perception of the interviewer absolutely okay so number four is gestures which frankly it's just it's got to be just as simple as making them bigger yeah, that's a big, that's, uh, you're right. No, no pun intended. It's a big part of it, but, but also faster too, mm, um, okay. bigger and faster. Um, gestures are way more important than most people realize. They are a great energy communicator in an interview. Um, we often remind folks, in fact, I did this recently. I don't know where even people born blind, blind at birth, never have been, ne- n- never, w- never had sight. Okay. They gesture when they speak. They Mm. gesture despite never having seen a gesture, never having been able to emotionally connect a gesture they saw with a phrase that someone is using, not knowing what gestures are common based on the culture because they've never seen them. Um, The part of your brain that controls speech is closely related to the part that controls your gestures when you're speaking. Right. And of course, your interviewer knows this, even if it's only subconsciously. Right. And without really thinking about it, they're measuring the size and speed of your gestures in the back of their brain, and they're drawing conclusions about your attitude, your energy, and your enthusiasm levels. And we do this because we figure if you can't have a lot of energy now, when everyone knows that you're supposed to during an interview, uh, how much can we count on you to have energy when we need your best at midnight or early in the morning at two o'clock in the morning when you're working on that important project? There you go. We should have have set you up in the beginning of this cast as you're the interviewer and you want a chance. You know, I I am too, but, but I mean, it's nice to hear from the interviewer side. This is what we're looking for. Look, if you think it's a game, fine, play the game, right? Um and and I'll tell you a story about a friend of a dear friend of mine, John Hoffman. You know John, of course. He's our classmate. But um, I don't remember if we ever told it in the interviewing series. Uh, the best story I have about total interviewing success comes from John Hoffman. This was years and years and years ago. John was getting out of the army. I was a recruiter helping him. Um, and um, John um, is probably the most gifted leader I've ever met in my life, just an exceptional leader and manager. Um, and he also did somewhat poorly academically at the academy. Um, uh, John will probably kill me for the, this is the first time I mentioned him in a cast. <laughs> yeah, I, think. Yeah, I, w- I was wondering, uh, I think his GPA was like 1.96 and, and you know, folks, I don't know how many GPAs have you heard that start with a one. Um, and in fact, I was asked to be his roommate one semester simply to help him through one one class, um, and we barely made it. Um, and, and yet, and, and, and sing- somewhere in here, there's there's something good for John. Yeah, I I, well, I did say he's like the best leader. I, I've met a lot of leaders. He's the best I've ever known. He, he's the kind of guy who could make you walk through hell in a gasoline suit because he asked you to. That's the kind of guy he is. The fact that he's he, does, he has that GPA just proves that he didn't like the classes he was in probably. And he knew that the world wasn't going to grade him on his GPA once he graduated. And it certainly has not because I think he's CEO of a company now. Um, but here's the story. John had two days of interviews um, at a recruiting company and it was a Monday and a Tuesday. And on Tuesday of the second day, he had the last interview of the day. I think it was at four forty-five in the afternoon. He has had 13 or 14 interviews in two days. Back to back, 45 minutes, 30 or 45 minutes long. I think it's 45 minutes. And at 4.45, he interviews with a guy named Al Gibson, a great guy um, who was a recruiter for a company called Applied Materials years and years and years ago. Um, And 
John goes in, Al, Al, Al is, you know, Al has had as many interviews as John has over the last two days, interviewing candidate after candidate. And John has been going from company to company, trying to figure out where he wants to go to work. Now, this is applied materials. This is the company that makes the machines that make chips that go in clean rooms and Intel and so on. Uh, th- th- this is as high tech as you can possibly get. Um, the chemical vapor deposition, physical vapor, vapor deposition. It's, it's scarily high tech stuff. Each, each chip fab costs like a billion dollars. Yeah, I've actually heard of the company. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty. I, th- I think they've been around for a while. Yeah, and my, and my and, brother works there, but okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he knows John, and and here, okay. So Hoffman is the last interview of the day with Al Gibson. His last interview, last of the two days. There, Al's going to fly out that night or the next morning. So is John, and and um, the, the course I actually was asked to be his roommate in was electrical engineering, which of course might have something to do with applied materials. And Al Gibson opens the door and says, hi, John, I'm Al Gibson. Hey, Al, how are you? Nice to meet you. John goes through the interview. Now, Al knows that he has a 1.96 GPA. Okay. Um, and at the end of the interview, Al Gibson looks up at John Hoffman and says this. He says, John, I am not only more energized now than when I started interview with you 45 minutes ago, and I was tired when I started. I'm more energized now than I was Monday morning first thing when I started looking at everybody. You did that well. I'm so impressed. I don't care what your GPA is. You're way below our standard 3.0 or whatever. I don't care. I'm going to find you a job at Applied Materials. We won't lose you. And they didn't. Wait, wait, wait. Um, so you're, you're, saying, you're saying that John goes into this interview with one of the most technical, technologically advanced companies yep. there are on the planet, on this planet. Yep. Right. He has a 1.96 GPA. Yep. And he still gets offered a job based on yeah. the energy he showed during the interview. Yeah. And, and I think, I think when he left, he was, uh, he was chief operating officer for one of their divisions. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. As successful as anybody I've ever known. Um, and all in 45 minutes, all by force of will, energy, and enthusiasm. Um, wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Wow. Okay. That, so, let's give some folks some some guidance on gesture practice. Yeah, just we, be John we see Hoffman. That stuff works, so just be John Hoffman. It's fine. Right. Use the John Hoffman rule. <laughs> no, okay. I'm kidding. Okay. Yeah. I, I've met John, and that's not an easy thing to do, but okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, he's not a sales guy. If, if you're thinking that folks that he, John Hoffman, my friend, my dear friend, John Hoffman is a sales guy, you're mistaken. He's not. Um, nonetheless, look, the, the way to practice gestures is video. Okay. Now let me, let me just mention something about size and speed here since we, uh, I, I got diverted there with the story, John. But, um, if you haven't heard me say it before, the general rule about assessing one's gestures, which by the way, managers don't know that they feel this way, but they do. We have videotape of managers watching multiple people interviewing and they almost always choose the person who has biggest gestures as having the most energy, all of the things being equal. Um, the general rule about assessing somebody's gestures is whether or not they are in or out of the box. And the box, in this case, is made by the width of your shoulders and the length of your torso. Above the waist, inside the shoulders, making gestures with your hands, we refer to as inside the box. Look, it's fine. Many people gesture inside the box all the time, and those are completely appropriate and effective gestures. But it's ineffective in interviewing. It is ineffective in interviewing. I should say it again, but I won't. To successfully send a message of energy and positive attitude in an interview, you need to get out of the box. If you're naturally out of the gesture box, okay, great. Don't change a thing. Right. And when it comes to speed, a little bit of acceleration, a little more speed, some sharper or quicker movements, 
reminds me of the the FedEx commercial. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's it, it exactly right. In, it translates into perception of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking of th- think when you're thinking about gestures of chopping, cutting, slashing, whirling, exploding. Um, uh, probably a little bit hyperbolic for some of you, but let's play the game. Um, rather than moving, drifting, progressing, expanding. When I talk about a big change, my hands explode. They move distinctly. Um, um, this will feel a little bit for some of you like that fakey smile you thought you had before, but it does not look that way. You're just not used to it. Right. And just one additional point here. It's not only that you will look more energetic, you will be more energetic. Ooh. When you move your body like that, your mind responds. Yeah. It's just like speeding up your hands when you're running. Yep. Yeah, Exactly. But but all of this is simply part of being a complete communicator, being able to use the most effective te- technique to make your point rather than the one you're used to. Right. And the way you get to both is to practice on video. Yeah, I, I like the again. way you say that, complete communicator. Um, we, we need to expand on that. Um, and again, you're right. It's another video opportunity. Um, I have actually used a second poster when I've trained manager, one that says bigger. Um, again, like the clock and the smile one, uh, as a subtle reminder to, to have them just increase the size of their gestures. Um, I, I've actually interviewed, um, people who sat with their hands in their lap and they thought, um, right hand in a, in a, in a very soft fist, not a tight fist. And then inside your left hand. And so your left hand is essentially cradling your right hand and they're both cupped, so to speak, the right hand, almost a completely closed fist, but not quite. And they think a, sm- a good gesture is the right hand lifts up a half an inch off the left and the fingers point toward the interviewer and then come back to rest again, just that fast. Uh, I'm sorry, folks, that is a completely reasonable and appropriate gesture in normal everyday communications for someone who tends to be reserved in their communication style. We respect it. We appreciate it. And we will learn that that's the way you communicate when we get to know you. We have 45 minutes or 30 minutes in an interview with you. And let's not even get started about phone interviews. Holy Toledo. If you make that gesture in an interview, we're going to think you're asleep. (laughs) We're going to think it's a twitch. We're not going to notice it. We're not going to think you're energetic. And if it's close... And you never know that it won't be. If it's close, we'll hire the person who looks uh, uh, and sounds and has roughly the same background as you and has a lot more energy than you because we have less and less people to go around for more and more jobs every day, it seems, in my company and every other company I've ever met. And we need people who will move forward with energy and experience and enthusiasm. And that's not somebody who makes a tiny gesture. You may not like this system, but it is the system. Yeah, that's that's the really the definition of a disconnect, right? Where I, I was trying to show energy and you thought it was a nervous tick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So okay, so so they record it on, on video and then right. they watch the video and you see how you do and whether energy seems to have improved. And guess yeah. what? I would argue you'll see it in fact does. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then our final one here is original number five as yeah. opposed to the additional six is yeah. posture yeah um we, we i almost included this in gestures we talked about that but but uh, i've tried to to do that in the past and found that people don't seem to recognize that body movement really is a form of gesturing um what we're saying here is that once you decide to sit up and i'll, I'll come back to sitting up in a moment once you do that you've got another tool to express energy energy in the interview which is to lean forward 
When you have a key point to make, in addition to gesturing and changing your tone of voice slightly, deeper or faster your call, we recommend you lean forward from the waist as if your shoulders are being pulled toward the interviewer. This is a big missed opportunity for many interviewees and not using it actually has a hidden downside. The combination of not leaning forward and not gesturing, and, and they often go together, right? As people are outside their comfort zone, is one of the most common behaviors noticed by experienced interviewers um, for why they choose to label someone as stiff. Now, how many people do you hmm. think get hired with the, the phrase stiff on their interview form, right? <laughs> Um, it is not stiff is by the way, not just a low energy comment, your low energy, your low expressed physical energy folks is, is heard as seen as stiffness. And then that word is taken more broadly. It means it, there's a comment about you as an interpersonal communicator that you're not flexible. It, uh, it says you're inflexible. It says you're not creative because stiff people aren't creative. Um, it's, it, it says you're not confident because if you're stiff, it must be that you're so nervous you're holding yourself in check. It is very dangerous to be labeled stiff and you can only overcome it. Well, no, I'm sorry, not only, but you can definitely overcome it by judiciously leaning forward from the waist at times in your interviews. Good. Now, one can argue that leaning forward at your waist with your shoulders is part of posture, but I think you were going to say something more about Oh, posture. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, posture in an e interview is usually pretty damn easy, and lots of people blow it. Posture means, pardon my French, putting your butt up against the back of whatever chair you're sitting it in and leaving it there for as long a period as your back touches the back of that chair. If your back is touching the back of your chair and your rear end isn't right underneath it, you have lousy posture and we notice. You may think it's cool. We don't. And this is our interview and we're going to win. Um, we don't think you're cool. We don't think you're relaxed. We think you're sloppy. We think you're lazy. We think you're indolent and you're unaware of the importance of this interview. If not to you, then darn well to me, the interviewer, because I have an opening and I have other things to be doing. Thank you very much. Maybe you don't like that, but you know, I, I, I don't like poverty. I don't like famine. And those things exist. And you have an opportunity to change them. Um, look, if your posture isn't right, it looks funny when you try to use it to your advantage by leaning forward. If, if, if you're sitting more like a, you're playing a video game where your rear end is off the back of the chair, and I'm not suggesting you're sitting up stiff like a ramrod, but, but if your butt is leaned forward and then your back is against the chair and so you're leaning back and here I am doing it and I'm afraid now I'm suddenly realizing maybe my voice just changed on the, on the microphone. <laughs> um, but if all of a sudden you're leaning forward when in fact you were slouching back, it, it, it looks like, oh, I want to make a point that's really important now. You can ignore everything else. It just doesn't come across well. Energy from leaning forward starts with the right posture, which is vertical, and you can be comfortable doing that. Uh, and again, we're not playing a video game on the couch. I have people actually sit and, and slouch. I mean, I mean, I've had worse than that. I have people with iPods on or, or the equivalent earphones on in an interview. Practice with video, perhaps? Yeah, Maybe. of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope people, we, we don't want to sound simplistic about it. We've just learned. I've been doing this for years. We've learned this is the way to do it. I mean, people don't argue with video. I mean, the really, really successful sales companies were doing video training 20, 25 years ago because they could afford the big, you know, the big cameras they needed. And when I saw my first myself first time on video in a sales situation, I thought, oh, my, <laughs> oh, oh, my <laughs> dear. Oh, dear. 
Um, I think I actually said something different, but um, uh, yeah, my coaching rule here is leaning forward twice per 30 minutes and or at least once during every big question you get in your practice sessions. Uh, you lean forward to make a point at the waist, lean forward at the waist. Um, check the tape when you're done to see that both A, that you did, and B, um, notice that it sends an enhanced sense of engagement and energy when you do it. When you see it on tape, you'll want to do it more. You just don't want to be a yo-yo going back and forth. You don't want to be Bill Gates in a meeting, go, you know, rocking back and forth. Right. Good. <laughs> Okay. I mean, you could be Bill Gates. That'd be great. You'd yeah, probably get like, hired. But. Okay, I'll, I'll take I'll take being Bill yeah. Gates, yeah. <laughs> walking back and forth like Rain Man. But yeah. Okay, so now we get into the 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 bonus round number six, laugh. Yeah, um, I added this one as a bonus because it seems to me completely anecdotal, based on. I mean, maybe when you've done 10,000 plus interviews in your life, you, you can really trust your anecdotal evidence to be data of some sort, although it's not aggregated in some way. The best interviews almost always include laughter. Um, usually, I, I, I agree, folks, it's a symptom. It's not a cause. It's a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. It's a result rather than a driver. You can't laugh your way into a job offer. <laughs> um, but job offers tend to happen after those laughter in an interview. But I just want to suggest that everyone practice having a laugh or two during your interview practice sessions. Either ask your friend to make a small amusing comment or work into one of your accomplishment stories a self-deprecating moment that calls for some humble laughter and see what happens. My guess is you'll relax a little, but your interviewer will see you as having relaxed a lot. Being confident enough to be relaxed enough to laugh a little, that's the sign of the kind of positive attitude we want. So try it. Do it in practice enough, and it won't be awkward when it, as we say, is for the money. And folks, if you need another idea when to laugh, look for opportunities when the recruiter lightens it up a bit. If there's a chance, throw out a small chuckle. You know, now, we know. We know it's not you. Right, it's not you. But if you don't laugh when the opportunity presents itself, you're likely to get that stiff label again, which yeah. just isn't any good. That, that stiff one is a real killer because you don't think of yourself as stiff. You think you're focused and intense. They see you as gesturing very little and not leaning forward and not, not making tonal uh, changes in your voice and not smiling. So they see you as stiff. Somebody sees it on the document and, 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 and they make inferences from their inference. It's the second set of inferences. Stiff is the first inference. And the second one is not confident, not personable, not ready, um, not up to the task. And so you don't get the offer. So I could go, obviously I could go on and on and on about this. I won't. That does it. Um, we had six, I say again, six, not five recommended behaviors to, to practice for folks. Uh, and a lot of them include video. So they are smile more, get your handshake, right? Make sure you push them back. Uh, be aware of your voice volume and, and, uh, do what's necessary. Bigger and faster gestures, uh, a posture that allows you to lean forward, um, to add to your gestures. And lastly, laugh a little bit. Um, it can't hurt because there's always something funny, at least at one point in an interview. Good. That's it. 
I hope folks do something with this because this is not one of those things you listen to the podcast and you spend 15 minutes thinking about it. And you got to solve this requires some real work, right? You got to get out there. You got to practice. You got to video it. You got to review it. This is weeks of effort. But yep. the great thing about it is once you've done it, you not only have the skill for interviewing, you have yeah. the skills for all the t- presentation, all those persuasive presentations. Exactly. Yep. For pre-wires, for all those moments when you're trying to, to get somebody to join your team, um, to motivate somebody to get hired by you. They, you know the interview will go well, but now you're trying to persuade them to take the offer, right? You need all these tools in your kit bag. And folks, the fact is the majority of people won't do anything with this, although they'll agree it's interesting and it's good. And wow, that was a great cast maybe. And then here's here's our reminder. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. You don't have to be great at this. You simply have to be noticeably better than everybody else who walks into the interview, afraid to not be themselves. Yeah. This is just you being your smart self, being your best communication self, being, as Mike said, the complete communicator. That's what, in interviewing, this show is about. Right. Take the challenge. Go do it. There you go. All right, my friend. Thanks, sir. We'll see you later. You too. Bye. That'll wrap this series up. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Just a quick reminder, though, for those of you who are impacted by the crisis and fairly close to the New York area, don't forget about our free financial crisis seminar in New York City on October 18th. Um, As usual, details are on the website. If you're affected by the crisis, I hope you'll join us. And if not, please share this with someone you know who is affected by the crisis. And for those of you who are not currently impacted, but are interested in inoculating yourself a bit in these difficult times, we still have slots available in our November 11th through 12th Effective Manager Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. If you're a manager and you want to protect yourself in these difficult times, get good at your job. And that is what the Effective Manager Conference is all about. Again, details are on the website, www.managertools.com. All right, everyone, hang in there. We'll get through this. We'll see you all again next week. So long.